Go ahead and take your copy of the scriptures, please, and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Mark's Gospel, as we continue this series, will be in chapter 10, starting in verse 17 in just a moment. I'll give you a second to find that uh, as you are looking for that in your Bibles. Uh, perhaps you saw this on your way in. If not, I want to encourage you to get one on the way out. Uh, it's information about our eighth campus, the Harpeth Heights campus. It became officially a regional campus of Brentwood several months ago, but the new pastor, Brandon Owen, started last week, and so there's some information about the church on the front, information about him on the back. Uh, several of you have already asked who he pulls for collegiately. I do not know, uh, but several have said if it's uh, for uh, Tennessee, they're moving churches, and so uh, that's, that's fine. Uh, but anyway, great things happening over there, and I'm very, very excited for him, very, very excited for the, the church at, uh, at Harpeth Heights, some neat things that God is doing. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. Let me invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word, and let's look at this incredible Difficult but incredible text before us. Mark 10, 17. As he was setting on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud and honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished, saying to one another, Then who can be saved? And looking at, Jesus, looking at them, Jesus said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. Peter began to tell him, Look, we, we have left everything and followed you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time houses, brothers, sisters and mothers and children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Pass us not, O gentle Savior. May you open the eyes of our souls to where we behold you, Jesus. As worth leaving everything behind to have. None of us in this room can do that on our own. 
We need you to do it. May you, Jesus, show us who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I love sleep. Heart sleep. I know there's some verses warning against getting too much sleep in the Bible, but there's also a verse that says, God grants sleep to those he loves. I've got that tattooed right here on my arm. (laughs) Not really, but it's one of my favorites. I love sleep, and I hate losing an hour's sleep. I just love it. Have you you ever had trouble sleeping at night, though? I don't mean insomnia. That's, That's kind of a condition. I mean tossing and turning and your bed looking like that not first thing in the morning but at 1 a.m. because you've you've gotten some news that just messes with you or there's a decision you've got to make that's just gnawing at you anything whatever happened to you okay maybe somebody else but there's just something that you hear or learn or it's in, you're anticipating that's just kind of disorienting to you and you toss and you turn and you toss and you turn and that bed that a lot of times is very, very cozy and you just love, but some nights it could just be like a brick because you just can't figure out how to get comfortable and you wake up every few minutes and you think, maybe it's, oh, just a few minutes have passed because that thing just keeps tossing and turning in your mind. I wonder what this guy, when he walked away from Jesus, how he slept that night. I wonder what was tossing and turning. See, I believe this guy was Mark himself. I don't know for a fact, okay? Don't know for certain. But I have a real good idea that this was Mark, the the writer of the gospel. Some of the commentators and scholars that I read and trust, they say so. And if the smart guys say so, no, just kidding. But they make some good points. There's a lot of things that point to maybe it is Mark, things that I don't have time to get into now. But here's the convincing thing for me. When Mark writes this story of what's known as the rich young ruler in Jesus, he includes three emotions that would have only been known to Jesus and the guy having the conversation. In verse 21, Mark writes that before Jesus dropped the bomb on this guy, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Mark doesn't say, it appeared that Jesus loved him. Mark said he loved him. It's gospel truth. He looked at him with love. It's as if Mark was saying, I'm the guy. I know he said it out of love. He didn't say, I think maybe Jesus probably loved this guy. No, he did. And then when Jesus told him what to do, which we'll look at in just a moment, Mark writes that this guy walked away very dismayed, sad, frustrated. Not he appeared dismayed, he was. Gospel truth, he was dismayed. He was sad, he was frustrated as he walked away. That's, That's an emotion only known to the guy having the conversation with Jesus. And the third one is this word grieve that he says at the end. He walked away grieving. He walked away dismayed and as he kept on walking, it was it turned from, from dismay to grief. 
deep grief. It's, as a matter of fact, it's the same word Mark uses to describe Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. A disorienting grief. Jesus in the garden knew what was coming. Jesus knew that the Father was going to, if you will, turn his back from Jesus while he was on the cross and he would have an identity crisis. As this man walks away from Jesus, he grieves in the same manner. He's disoriented. Identity crisis. What am I going to do with this? And so I just imagine that this guy, let's say he's Mark, went home and didn't sleep well that night. What am I going to do? My goodness. And I have a pretty good feeling he didn't sleep good the night before. Did you notice that Mark sets this up by saying when Jesus got ready to go on a journey, this man ran up to Jesus and knelt down? We know this, G- this guy was young from other gospel writers. We know he was very wealthy, and we also know he had some authority. Guess what? People with money and authority usually don't run up and kneel down to anybody. As a matter of fact, he was young and had a lot of money. He was probably good looking. Do you know of anybody that's young and has a lot of money that's not good looking? So this man had it all. As we'll see later, he had morals. He had religion. He had everything. And yet he ran up to Jesus and knelt down. I don't think he slept good the night before because something was missing. He heard that there was this guy named Jesus, a rabbi was passing through, and he was going on a journey the next day. There's that piece of the puzzle of my life that's missing. I got to run up and I got to ask him how to fix it. What do I have to do? I'm religious. I got money. I got morals. I got integrity. All these things, but something's missing. Something's not there. And I would have just tossed and turned all night long thinking, okay, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? Am I going to get there in time? I got to make sure I get up early so I can greet him. I got to make sure I get there. And, And I would just be rolling around in my bed thinking, okay, maybe I'll get the answer. Maybe this guy will finally tell me what I need to do in order to have it put together because something's missing. You ever had trouble sleeping at night? Yeah. I've wondered what went on in Mark's head when he tried to go to bed that night. Maybe he took some melatonin, I don't know. Maybe he had some of that hot tea that helps you sleep good. I don't know. A good, a good bag of Oreos and a bag of chips does it for me usually. Two bags of Oreos and some chips usually does it for me. But I wonder what tossed around in Mark's mind. If it were me, one of the questions I'd be asking is, why in the world did he ask me to sell my stuff? Why in the world did he ask me to get rid of my stuff? Why get rid of my possessions? Why? Now get this, church. In New Testament times, a sign of God's blessing was having wealth. Or to put it this, let me put it the other way. If you were wealthy, it was an indicator that you were being blessed by God. We would never say that today. We're too spiritual to put it that way but we do it. We think the same thing, don't we? Let me test you. What do you say when you get that new truck? God bless me. What do you say when you get that new house? Oh, I'm blessed. What do you say when you get that good health report? God blessed me. 
What do, you, what do you say when you get the raise? What do you say when you get the, when you get the bump up, when the, when the new job? Oh, God blessed me. And all these things can be seen as blessings from God. But let's be careful because when we do that, we're saying the guy that didn't get the good report is not blessed. Or the guy that didn't get the house is not blessed. Or the person that didn't get the raise is not blessed. Is that true? See, in New Testament times, if you had wealth, if you had wealth, it was a sign of God's blessing. And it was assumed that if you were doing okay uh, with, with stuff and your physical well-being, then God must be smiling upon you. See, wealth is not a sin. Hear me. Wealth is not a sin, but it is dangerous. It is not evil to have wealth, but it is extremely dangerous. Why? Because just like the New Testament times, so in our world. Because when you have stuff, it's easier to trust in the stuff and to have confidence in what you have or in your 401k or in your retirement or your bank account or your house or the new job or the new CEO who's going to give you a raise. It's much easier to put your confidence in that than it is God. It's not sinful, dangerous. And it's dangerous because you think if you get more and more stuff, then that's obviously God's sign that he's smiling on you. And I just wonder if Mark that night, having this in the back of his mind was thinking, why would I get rid of my stuff? This is stuff that I've got from God. The disciples were shocked. Did you catch that? Oh, Peter, God love him. But I can just imagine, I mean, when, when this guy walks away, Jesus was like, how hard it is for a rich person to get in the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples, Mark says twice, were astonished and then more astonished. You can just imagine, they're like, what, 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 who, can, who can be saved? That's the way I envision it. Can you, can you imagine? I mean, the disciples were like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is why we're following you, Jesus. You're gonna be the Messiah who overthrows Rome and we're gonna be at your right hand and we're gonna be rich and it's gonna be great. And now you're saying it's so hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven? Is it that a sign of God's blessing is to be wealthy and to get in the kingdom of heaven? Is it, what, what do you mean? Nobody can get in the kingdom. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of A camel can't go through the eye of an Exactly. You're saying it's impossible for a rich person to get in the kingdom? Why would God tell Mark to get rid of his stuff? If I was Mark, I would have lost sleep over that one. And I wonder if it ever hit Mark. I think it probably did. A sign of God's blessing isn't in what you have. A sign of God's blessing is in who you follow. You want to know if you're blessed by God, don't look around and see what you own. If you want to know if you're blessed by God, ask yourself, who do I follow? I bet Mark tossed and turned about why did he had to sell everything. But I also, I also have a pretty good feeling. He probably wrestled in his bed that night as he's thinking about these things. Why in the world Jesus made such a big deal out of the word good? <laughs> that would have gotten me in a wad. Did, did you catch it when, 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 Jesus, when, when this guy walked up to Jesus and said, hey, good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? You can just imagine he's been waiting and waiting and waiting, couldn't wait to get there, and he was going to ask him, and Jesus was going to give him the missing piece thing he had to do, and everything was going to be fixed. And he said, good teacher, what do I have to do to get eternal life? And I can just imagine him getting his moleskin. And Jesus says, good. Why you call me good? 
Only God's good. Later that night, I would have just been, why didn't he? I was just trying to be nice. Just trying to be cordial. Just trying to butter him up a little bit. Why did he have to say, only God is good? I know God is good. God is great. God is good. Let him take his worth it. I know that. Let's just get on with it. Just give me the answer. Why are you going off on this good thing? And I wonder while he's tossing and turning in his bed if he's thinking, was he calling himself God? Was he throwing this back on me? And if I really believed he was good, that I would, then I would do what he said. Was he throwing shade on me? Was Jesus saying, if you really believe I'm good, then you'll follow me? Then you'll do what I say? Words can be very empty if we say God is good, but don't do what he says. If we really believe he's good, we'll do what he said. I bet Mark didn't sleep much that night. There's another thing I bet he wrestled with. I would have. I do. I would have asked myself, why aren't the commandments enough? Are you kidding me? Who does this guy think he is? God, he gave an 11th one. Get rid of everything and follow me. Well, that's not in the Big Ten. Why aren't the commandments good enough? I mean, Jesus, Jesus just plays this perfectly. I mean, I love conversations of Jesus. He, he knows hearts. He knows. He looks at them with love. And, and, and he says, what do I have to do to get eternal life? And Jesus responds, you know the commands. Don't murder. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Honoring your folks. And I can just imagine this guy. <laughs> I've kept all these from my youth. This is fantastic. Yeah, I've done that. And Jesus, I haven't done anything to to uh, anything wrong to get my wealth. I haven't abused my parents to get my wealth. I haven't abused my wife to get my wealth. I haven't cheated to get my wealth. I haven't lied to get my wealth. I hadn't climbed on anybody's back to get my wealth. I have earned my wealth fair and square. Hard work with morals and integrity and doing what God said do. That's how I'm wealthy. I've done all these commands that you mentioned. Wonderful. He just described Williamson County. We got it all. We got religion. We go to church. We did it the hard way. but we're missing something. You know what I'd have been thinking if I, was the, if I was the rich young ruler, I'd have been thinking, why didn't he mention the other four or five? Why did he stop at those? 
Why didn't he mention others? And I would have I would have gotten my Bible and looked back in Exodus 20 because, you know, I don't know if I got to memorize. And I would have looked back in, in Exodus chapter 20 and I would have said, well, why didn't he mention the 10th one? You know what the 10th one was? Anybody know? Y'all are the 1030 crowd. You know what the, you know what the 10th one is? Right? Thou shalt not covet. And you got to wonder if Mark rolled around in his bed that night thinking, well, why didn't he mention covet? I mean, sure. I, was, I mean, I, I want some more stuff sometimes. I mean, I get this and I want a little more and I get this. I want a little more. Everybody wants, I mean, people covet my stuff. Why can't I covet their stuff? I just want a little bit more. I just, okay, so you didn't mention that one. Okay, thanks for not mentioning that one. But why didn't you mention the first one? What's the first one? You know the first one? The biggie. Have no other gods before me. And you wonder if Mark was thinking that night, was he saying that maybe I do have a God before the God of Israel? And that's why I keep wanting something else. Yeah. I wonder, too, and I know this is a lot of speculation, but I think it's biblical speculation. If Mark overheard the conversation with Jesus and his disciples as he ran up that morning. We didn't read it. But do you know what Mark has just finished writing down? That account where Jesus and the disciples had children coming up to him. And the children were coming up to Jesus and the disciples were like, what? Get, get, get. It's my interpretation. And what did Jesus say? Unless you become like a child, you can't get into heaven. Get this. This goes right into our text. What can a child do? A child is needy. A child is dependent. A child can bring nothing to the table. They are fully reliant on someone else to do it for them. I wonder if Mark overheard that as he ran up to Jesus, put it in the back of his mind, and then he just rolled around with it that night wrestling in his bed. And then I wonder if he overheard this as he's walking away after he's leaving, dismayed, grieving, and going back to his house. I wonder if he overheard Jesus say, it's impossible for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I wonder if he heard that and thought, well, nobody can. It's impossible. And I just wonder, church, I wonder if that night, this rich young man, who I believe is Mark, was thinking, okay, become like a child. It's impossible. Sell everything. Follow Jesus. Good. Become like a child. It's impossible. Sell everything. Follow Jesus. It's good. Become like a child. Impossible. Sell everything. Follow Jesus. Good. Become like a child. It's impossible. Sell everything. Follow Jesus. Good. And I don't know, but I believe it hit him. I don't know if it was that night. I don't know if it was the next day. I don't know if it was the next week or the next year. But I believe at some point it hit him. And he thought, that's it. I'm looking for something to do. He's wanting me to be with. I'm looking for something I have to do. I'm looking for something that I bring to the table. And this is about what God's done for me in Jesus. I'm looking for what 
God says, or I think God says, I have to do, and the, and the list I've got to check, but nothing is enough, and yet this man is saying, follow me. I wonder if a sign of God's blessing is if you're reliant and you're looking for a relationship. Church, eternal life is not doing for, eternal life is being with. Write that down, church member, if you're anything like your pastor. Eternal life is not doing for. Look what I got. How dare you tell me to sell my stuff? What do you mean the commands aren't enough? Are you kidding me? You've blessed me with all these grand things, and I've been this spiritual all my life, and you're going to tell me to leave it to come to you? Yes, because the key is Christ. Eternal life is not bringing something to God. Eternal life is relying on him. Eternal life is not being good for God. Eternal life is being with the God who is good. You say, well, does that mean I need to sell all my stuff? Follow him? That'd be too easy. Jesus doesn't say this to everybody. And I don't think we want a Jesus that's cookie cutter. Don't you want a Jesus that's personal? He knows what you're bringing to him that you're relying on to complete you. I think he says, whatever you're trusting in to complete you, cut that off. Come to me. Whatever you think is going to complete you that's not Jesus, get rid of it and come to me. If it's your wealth, get rid of it and go to Jesus. Let me leave you with these three questions. If you can't sleep tonight, wrestle with these. You're welcome. Some of you say when you can't sleep at night, you just turn on one of my sermons and you're out like a light in about five minutes. That's fine too, whatever. These three questions... These three questions as, as we wrap this up. Number one, in your mind, what are signs of God's blessing? Be very careful, North American Christian. What is a sign of God's blessing? Yes, all good and wonderful, all good and perfect things come from God. Thank Him. We are a blessed people. Yes, 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 and yes. But be very, very careful for viewing, having more stuff and getting perfect health and everything being wonderful with your surrounding environment is being blessed by God. I don't see that here. If that was the key to being blessed and the key to life, Jesus would not have told this guy to get rid of it all. An indicator of whether or not you are blessed by God is if you see Jesus worth leaving it all. That's blessed. Second question, if asked, what would you say is required for eternal life? If someone asked you, what do I have to do to have eternal life? What do I need to do to get into eternal life? What do I need to do to get into heaven? What would you tell them? What would be your response? Kind of important. Please don't give a list of things to do. Well, you need to do this, need to do this, need to do this, need to do this, need to do this. No, 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 no. 
If you learn anything from this text, Jesus has said, if you're relying on anything that you do, then that defeats the whole purpose. You become like a child. It's impossible. We say, God, I have nothing to bring. I'm totally relying on your son, Jesus, who does it for me. I give my life to him. I follow him. If somebody says to you, what's required for eternal life, what will be your response? If, it, if it's anything outside of who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he's calling you to do, it's wrong. Third question, is there one thing you lack? Is the one thing you lack similar to this man's? <laughs> if Jesus looked at you and said, one thing you lack, and I just wonder if he was thinking, lack? I ain't ever lacked nothing. Lack? Is the one thing you lack similar to this man? Have you been up at night wondering why you have all this stuff, but there's nothing complete in your soul could Jesus be right that he is the one who completes me what would you say if Jesus said one thing you lack what is it I'm going to ask the choir to make their way up. We're going to close with a song where we respond to their singing. The sermon's not done, all right? But I want you to think. This is an invitation. This, this passage is an invitation. Do you see Jesus as worth more than anything he could ask you to leave behind? That's really what's ultimate here. And many of us, we read a text like this, and we immediately, if you're like me, I'm, I grew up North American Christian, I, this, this is me, I get it. My tendency is to think that if I follow Jesus, then, 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 then this is an invitation to be without something. But I don't think so. This isn't an invitation to be without. This is an invitation to finally have. Finally have that thing. I don't know for certain, so bear with me. But a few chapters later in Mark's gospel, Mark writes about a young man who ran away. The night Jesus was arrested and Judas and all his peeps and soldiers were around him. Sorry, peeps, it's Easter. I just lost my train of thought. Mark tells us that there was this young man who was watching Jesus be arrested and all he was wearing was an outer cloak. And when they saw, this guy saw Jesus be arrested, apparently one of the soldiers grabbed his cloak and he took off naked. I don't know, but I wonder if that's Mark's way of saying, that was me. And when you run from Jesus, you really have nothing. It's when you run to him that you find everything. I don't know, but I just wonder. Jesus, would you help us wrestle with these things? Would you go down into our souls? You know those crutches we bring to you, those things that we think will complete us. Would you, would you reveal those things so that we can have true life? 
These things aren't sinful in and of themselves. These things don't, aren't evil in and of themselves, but they, they cause us to put our trust in them more than you. And so, Father, would you, would you do the work? Your Son is worthy of our worship. Open our eyes to see it. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.